So we are in our third week here in a series called Opportunities and Threats, Advancing God's Kingdom in the Midst of a Cultural Earthquake. And you can all feel it. The ground is shaking and it's not stopping. It's not like we had a rough start to 2020 and now everything's just chill, back to normal. We can all come out, be like, all right, the dust has settled. What do we got? How do we move forward? Uh-uh. The shaking is continuing. And so we are at a very interesting place in life. Probably for most of us, the, the first time we can remember such cultural tumult that doesn't seem to, to be going away. And so we've got to do something right now that's against our, our normal instinct. The instinct in the middle of an earthquake is to duck and cover and just lay low until it all stops. And then you come out and you assess, you see the damage, and you go forward. That's not going to work right now. There's too much spiritual energy. The, the, this world, our culture, our nation is charged, spiritually charged right now. And we're going we're gonna to really see it move one way or the other, towards God or away from God. I believe in the, in the, in the rest of this year and in 2021, a strong move for or against, revival or some destruction. And I'm not trying to say negative things. I'm just, that's what I believe this, this is happening right now. So much is stirred up. And is our nation going to repent, come to our knees, turn towards God, or are we going to turn away? There's a lot that's just stirred up right now. That can be a very, very good thing. But it's not time for the church to shrink and disappear. And that's what our series is all about. Hebrews 10, 39 says it like this in a, in a uh, similar time of, of tumult. Their leader, one of their leaders was encouraging them, but we are not of those who shrink back and are destroyed, but of those who have faith and preserve their souls. That word shrink back, as we've mentioned, is a, is a, is a word that was used for sailing. And it would be when... The, the, the sailors would lower the sails and kind of give up and just say, you know what, we need to turn it in for now. There's nothing that, nothing that we can do. There's no role that we have, no part to play. The wind is not agreeing with us. It's, these are just not favorable conditions, so I'm just going to lower the sails. We'll call it a day, maybe go to sleep, come back and try another time. And it's very interesting that that Paul uses that, or, or a disciple of Paul uses that to describe the spiritual climate that the, that the book of Hebrews is written to. And he's like, be very careful. Don't take that mindset. Don't take the mindset where you think, oh, I just got to lower the sails for now. Come back later. He says, if you do that, you could be destroyed. So there are times where there's a lot on the line spiritually. And I believe for our nation and the course of where we go, in our ultimate, in our history, this is one of those spiritually charged times where the church has got to be present in a way that we fight to see the kingdom of God advance in us and through us. The way Jesus described in the book of Acts where he says, when my spirit comes upon you, you will be clothed with power from on high to be my witnesses, to represent me, to be my ambassadors in Jerusalem 
in Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And you see Jesus kind of give a mental picture of these concentric circles. Start right here. Start with your own family. Start with your own city and then move outwards as my ambassadors. And so that's what we're doing right now in this series. The, the first week was about taking personal responsibility for our walk with God. We don't look around at the world and just first and foremost blame others and blame everybody else for what's going on, good or bad. We take personal responsibility. We say, God, as the psalmist in 139 did, search me and know me. If there's any grievous way in me, show me so that I can walk in the way everlasting, so that I can turn, I can repent, I can take responsibility for my life and say, Lord, where I need to change and grow, do it so I can walk in your abundant life. I can walk closer with you. So you start, you know, that's Jerusalem in your own home. And right along with that is we looked at last week the reality of the isolation, the loneliness that's occurring. And it might be you. It might be a family member. It might be someone within your household, within your very close sphere of influence, within those, those family and friends that you're doing life with. That is a very real threat where almost 40% of adults in America say they're having a mental health crisis right now. Anxiety, depression, suicidal tendencies. That's real. That is a real threat. And God has a solution. He calls it church. He calls it community. He says, wherever two or three gathered in my name, I'll be there to change the situation. And so that's, you start very personal. You go out a little bit more to close friends and family. And you be that church to one another that brings life. And now today, we're going to go a little bit further. What does it now look like as you do those first two things? Get healthy, get whole, get filled up. Now you're looking out. You're looking out towards mission to your local city. That's the Jerusalem. How does God want you to represent him in the midst of this crisis that we're in? Because the threat is that... Well, there's too much scary stuff going on, so all that mission stuff they talk about church at church, that's just got to stop for a while. We got to lay low. We got to duck and cover. There's, there's the real threat. We can all feel it. Whether it's the, the literal and physical closed doors where you've lost opportunities to, to connect with people, to be a positive influence, or whether it's just the, the fear that grips us, or whether it's the messages that are coming our way every day that... that would push us in that direction that just says, oh man, that mission, that outward thinking, that caring about others, that wanting to bring the good news, wanting to pray for people, wanting to heal people, wanting to see others in my city saved, healed, and delivered, that's all for a different time. This is not that time. We just got to stop all that for a while. Just, just test, test yourself on that. Do you feel that? I know I, I've felt that. I've felt the frustration of like, man, it feels like mission is hard right now. It's just that hunker down and survive mentality. We're not even in the ballpark to think about how do we reach out to others. That's not the message coming our way. So how do we do mission in this context? It's a real threat. Even the apostle Peter felt such a threat at a time that he stumbled and fell. The great Peter post-resurrection, post-filling with the Holy Spirit. Paul talks about it in Galatians chapter 2 like this. Verses 11 and 12. When Peter came to Antioch, 
I opposed him to his face because he stood condemned. For before certain men had come from James, Peter was eating with the Gentiles. But when they came, he drew back, same word as shrink back, same word as lowering the sails. Peter lowered the sails. He shrunk back. He retreated. He got scared. And he separated himself from the Gentiles. Why? Fearing the circumcision party. So a quick little bit of church history. Antioch was the place where the Gentiles were receiving the gospel. And it was blowing the minds of the first century Jews. Because still, post-resurrection, they still didn't have it all figured out. They had the mindset. James had the mindset. Peter had the mindset that, oh, this, Jesus came for us, the Jews, to be our Messiah. And we're good if it stops here. And it, it took a lot of work. Even, Jesus even preached on it. They still didn't get it. The Holy Spirit had to work to say, no, it's not just for you. Jer remember what I said, Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, the ends of the earth, every tongue, tribe, and nation, for God so loved the whole world. That's the whole ethne. All of them. Good news, because most of us wouldn't be included if that wasn't the case. But it took a while. And so they're struggling with it. And so what happens here is that Peter gets scared when James, who hadn't quite got the fullness of God's heart yet, comes down and they're like, this is still for the Jews. Peter had already had that revelation in Acts, beautiful revelation, about the Gentiles being included. He had seen the Holy Spirit fall on the Gentiles. He had seen them receive salvation. He had seen supernatural work in them and through them. So he says, hey, these are our brothers and sisters in Christ. This is great. And then James comes, and out of fear, he lowers the sails, <sighs> retreats from mission. Says, oh, no, I, 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 I can't eat with you. I'm sorry. I, I, I. Peter, the rock, the bold guy. Just some, some disciples of James, all they got to do is show up. And he's like, oh, oh, yeah, oh, yeah. Oh, uh, I'm sorry, guys, I, I can't eat anymore. I mean, the message, though, is, but God, God, Jesus didn't come for, as your Savior. I, I messed up. He shrunk back. He lowered the sails. He retreated out of fear. And in that, there's good news, which is, if you feel that tendency... You're not alone. Even the great Peter had to wrestle through it. Even the great Peter had to have a Paul get in his face and say, man, I love you, so what the heck are you doing? What the heaven are you doing right now? God, God, God personally talked to you and gave you this mission. Reminds me of Psalm, oh, what is it? I forgot it. It's like 140. Where it says something like, better is the, the strike, the punch of a friend. I mean, sometimes we need those loving people like a Paul to come in our life and help us get, get the wind back in our sails. So that's what he's doing here. So I want to start with that because it's, hey, there's no condemnation in Jesus Christ. That's Romans 8.1. So when we feel the pressure, when we feel the threats coming our way, when we feel that, oh, Ah, oh, man, maybe it's time to shrink back on mission. Even Peter did. So we're not alone. There's grace for us today.
The throne of grace says, let me restore you. Let me help you put the wind. Let me help you put those sails back up and let the wind of my spirit blow again so you can get back out on the mission that I've given you. If that's you today, then God says he's got plenty of grace. And if you're still on the mission, then the spirit just wants to blow and further you on that mission. So that's the opportunity that we have in front of us, that God's mission never stops. Nothing can stop the agenda of God. It never changes. So let's look into Matthew chapter 9 and, and get into it specifically here. And I want to challenge us with God's word. I want to strengthen us, encourage us with three core truths to believe about mission and to put those into practice today. So Matthew 9, 35 to 38, we'll start here. Jesus went throughout all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom. That's what Jesus does. And healing every disease and every affliction. That's good news. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion for them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Then he says to his disciples, this is a, if you guys are talking about worldview, this is a worldview truth about God and mission that Jesus is going to teach his disciples. What's the lay of the land? Jesus is doing his mission thing. He's preaching. He's healing. He's delivering. He's showing compassion. These are just, those are beautiful four components of mission right there. So Jesus is advancing the kingdom of God on his mission and then he turns to his disciples and says, here's a teachable moment. Write this down. This is God's heart about mission. Here we go. Then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. That is a tremendous truth to anchor our soul in when we think about what is God doing in the world right now. To be able to anchor ourselves in a truth like this, God's perspective is the harvest is plentiful. We can trust that the Spirit of God is at work drawing people to Him, preparing the soil of hearts, and he's looking for willing partners to join him on mission that he can send out into his harvest that is plentiful. That truth changed my life. It's such good news. We don't have to convince God to care about what's going on in the world and to show up and want to do stuff and to come and, come and help over here and do some mission. That's all crazy. Or just to go further, that, that God just kind of, he, he doesn't care anymore what's going on. He's kind of just, oh, just left the world to just whatever. All of it, very unbiblical. Jesus gives us the picture for mission. And the mission is that God is always at work and his harvest is plentiful and we have the invitation to get on board and join him. This goes back to the very nature of God. The very nature of creation. 
that God in his goodness and abundance simply overflows. He wants to share it. Read all of Ephesians 1 and it just talks about in love he predestined us. It's out of this overflowing love like a fountain that can't help but overflow. God in his goodness just overflowed and it was creation. He wanted to share the goodness of God with us, with the people. And that even though we messed it up, even though we chose to try to live apart from him, that didn't change his mission. He sent his son. It's the most famous verse in the Bible. Very important. For God so loved, he's overflowing with this love, that it, it, it brought a mission. He sent, it's the word apostle, apostolos. He sent his son. And whoever believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. God is constantly on mission because it just flows out of his being. It's his very nature to flow outward with goodness and share it. And that's good news. And so we can be confident that that mission never stops. God's agenda doesn't change. For God so loved the world that he sent his son that whoever believes in him will not perish but have eternal life until the day Jesus takes you home or returns. That mission, mission is on full blast. That's God's agenda. His spirit is out work for a plentiful harvest. We've got to trust. We don't need to try to stir God up to get working. His harvest is plentiful. And Jesus flips it and says, are you available? Because God's out there working. And he's looking for available partners on mission. That's what Jesus teaches. The mindset of a follower of Jesus to be. Let's move on to the passage. Now Matthew 10, I'm going to read through verse 1 to 15. It's all connected. This is about mission. So after Jesus says that the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few, therefore pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into the harvest. Not coincidentally, what does Jesus do? Jesus sends out laborers into the harvest. So it's all connected. This is all part of that thought about God is on mission. God is at work. We are are invited to believe that the harvest is plentiful. So join God. And then this is what happens. Verse 1, chapter 10. And he called to him his 12 disciples. He gave them authority over unclean spirits to cast them out, to heal every disease and every affliction. What's he doing? He's giving them the authority to be like him through his spirit. That's what it means to be an ambassador. So when Jesus says, the Holy Spirit will come upon you, will clothe you with power from on high to be my ambassadors, to be my witnesses, it's to go be like Jesus to the world. Moving on, verse 2. The names of the twelve. Simon, Peter, Andrew, James, son of Debedee, John, Philip, and Bartholomew, Thomas, Matthew, the tax collector, James, son of Alphaeus, Thaddeus, Simon the Zealot, Judas Iscariot, who betrayed him. These 12, Jesus sent out. Just as the Father sent me, 
so I send you. That's John 20, 21. That's the mission of God continues in and through his people. As the Father sent me, so I send you. Incredible. These Jesus, these 12, Jesus sent out, instructing them, go nowhere among the Gentiles and enter no town of the Samaritans, but rather go to the lost sheep of the house of Israel and proclaim as you go, this is a specific mission at this moment, saying the kingdom of heaven is at hand. That's exactly what Jesus preached. So what Jesus preached, you get to preach. The kingdom of heaven is at hand. That's what he told them to preach. That's a summary of the gospel, which Mark 1, 14 says is Jesus' summary of the gospel. Mark 1, 14, Jesus came into Galilee preaching the gospel. The kingdom of heaven is at hand. So what Jesus preached, he told his disciples to preach. The good news, the gospel, is that this right here, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse the lepers, cast out demons. You received without paying, give without pay. Acquire no gold or silver or copper for your belts, no bag for your journey, or two tunics or sandals or a staff. The laborers deserve his food. Whatever, this is all about dependence on God. If you go on a mission and you don't feel that gut level if God doesn't show up, I'm in trouble, then you're too dependent on yourself. Whatever town or village you enter, find out who's worthy in it. Stay there until you depart. As you enter a house, greet it. If the house is worthy, let your peace come upon it. If it's not worthy, let your peace return to you. If anyone will not receive you or listen to your words, shake the dust off from your feet when you leave that town or house. Truly I say to you, it will be more bearable on the day of judgment for the land of Sodom and Gomorrah for that town, for those people who reject the message of Jesus. So a second core truth. Man, I mean, just what, what's even reading this, it's, it's just hitting me so strong. The mission that Jesus has, he passes on. I mean, it's the same gospel, it's the same authority, it's the same word. It's, wow. Go do what Jesus did. Go represent Jesus. But the second truth I just want to highlight here about mission that we can grab onto is that absolutely God will set up divine appointments. We've got to believe that. It's not up to us that there is a co-laboring with God where he's going to set up divine appointments with people of peace that are in your sphere of influence, if you're willing. It's amazing. We have the choice to shut off the radar. We have the choice to say, I'm not on mission right now. And what usually happens is not much. That's why Jesus said, therefore pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers. God's already at work. But when the laborers say, no thanks, I don't want to join you, not much happens. So there's a willingness on our part that Jesus emphasizes we've got to take responsibility. What I do matters in God's mission. The harvest is plentiful. God's at work, but he calls for laborers to say, I'm willing. I'm available. I've got the radar on. I want to be on mission with you right now, God. 
And, and, and when that happens, what Jesus shows here is God's going to set up these divine appointments. There will be people of peace out there that you encounter. People of peace, if that's a new term, the way Jesus describes it quite simply is someone who's interested and ready to receive the message. Not everybody's ready. So what Jesus, what Jesus does is pretty shocking. He gives you permission. Shake off the dust of your feet and move on. Is that, is that, is that just kind of harsh? No. What's harsh is if they're not ready yet and then you just beat them up because they're not ready. You beat them over the head. A lot of people get beat up with, from good intentions. But this is very interesting where Jesus says, basically, trust me. If they're not ready, you have permission to move on. Why? Because it's God's responsibility. The harvest is plentiful. It's God's work where the Spirit is still working on them. God's Spirit is still preparing their hearts. He's still showing them some things. He's giving them some different opportunities. So if they're not ready for who you are, the message that you have, the part you play in the process, then you have permission to move on. God will use someone else, baby, or he'll just use his spirit or circumstances or whatever God wants to do. God's creative enough to make it happen because he cares about the harvest. But if you're not the person, don't dig your heels in and just beat the person up. Jesus gives us this amazing freedom. Move on. Find the people of peace that God has put your way. Listen, it's right here. Let your peace come upon them. But if the house isn't worthy, and they'll define worthy here in a minute, let the peace return to you. If anyone does not receive you or listen to your words, argue with them a little bit more. Shake off the dust from your feet. Move on. Trust that God loves them more than you do. Pray for them. And trust the Spirit of God will continue to work. This doesn't mean you disown them and say, well, I'm never talking to you again. It's that you're talking about listening. This is nuance of the Holy Spirit. When the time's right, come back. Look for that opportunity. It's not you like cut them off. It's okay. Right now, that's, that's, they're not a person of peace to what I have, who I am, what I'm bringing, my gifts, my passions, my strengths. So I'm not going to try to beat them up. I'm going to pray, and I'm going to look for that opportunity. When can I come back, Lord? But in the meantime, I move on because God will be setting up divine appointments for a person of peace, people of peace, that when I share what I share, my testimony, the gospel that I've encountered so far, the goodness of God, the way God's transformed my life, praying for people, whatever it may be, when I share those things, there will be people that are like, wow, I want to hear more from you. They want to receive that good news of the kingdom that's at hand that's coming through you. And what does Jesus say? Stay there. Stay there. To put that in our modern day language, that's called a divine appointment with a person of peace. Look for them. God highlights them. You share a little bit. They want more. They're open to you. They like you. They want to receive from you. You can feel it. So what's Jesus say? Stay there. Stay in that house. Now, maybe it's a little bit culturally different just because you have a great conversation with someone on the street doesn't mean, hey, can I come home and stay with you right now? Might be a little different contextually. 
But the point is you stay there and you invest. If there's that divine appointment, that bridge that God's built, that favor he's given you, receive it as from God. And stay there. Invest there. So man, is it good news again to know that we don't have to make this all happen. This is not all on us. That as we join God on his mission, as we believe the harvest is plentiful, as we believe that he will be setting up divine appointments with people of peace, man, there's so much freedom in that. God's doing the heavy lifting. We're co-laboring though. His spirit's the one that is changing hearts and lives and we get to be part of the process. We get to live out of our giftedness, our passions, our testimony, what God's done in our life so far. And we get to see a harvest happen. Let me just give a couple quick examples. And then I want to have a, a, a quick testimony as well. How what this can look like on what you might call like a, a, a city level or a structural level and then a personal individual level. So, because both matter. As we see the, the apostles move out, Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, there's this outward effect that they can have at, on whole cities. Sometimes it's through individual, well, it's always individuals, but it's, it can be, the individuals that just continue to grow and grow and transform a city. And sometimes we see in the book of Acts that it starts with some of those high-level structures, city leaders, city connections that then open the whole city to the gospel. So I'll just share a couple quick things right now. That in the midst of the lockdown, I'll be honest, I was very bummed. Because as many of you have been praying... We believe that the harvest is plentiful. We believe that there, for such a time as this, that God is on the move for salvations and awakening and revival in our city, in our state. Well, it's really hard to do that when, you're, when you can't talk to people. So it's like, all right, so what, what do we do when there's that, that lockdown, that opposition to what we believe are the goals of God, the agenda of God? So it's where we got to shift our mindset and say, okay, we can still believe that the harvest is plentiful. The kingdom harvest, the kingdom of God at work, expanding, moving, preparing hearts can still be at work. And so just a couple examples how in this time, I've seen God encourage me and our church family in the ways that he'll take the people of peace that already exist in our lives as a church family, and he'll continue to work there. He'll continue to build bridges. He'll continue to grow favor. He'll continue to deepen relationship. He'll continue to advance his kingdom, even though it looks different than what we expected. So, for example, one thing that was exciting this year is that we, were, we had been given the opportunity to host the National Day of Prayer through the Menifee Interfaith Council. That has become a significant event, very spiritually significant event in our city where typically the whole city council shows up, the mayor shows up, police department shows up, and 
man, in this day and age, to have city leaders coming forth and declaring their faith in Jesus, their faith in God, being willing to ask for prayer, give prayer, receive prayer, that is monumentally important to me. And so I was thrilled that we were going to have the opportunity right here in this building to host the city National Day of Prayer. Well, that was May 5th or whatever, 6th. It got canceled. It's not, it wasn't allowed. And it was like, man, that, that, that stinks. It's like, okay, so what do we do? Do we just give up and get angry, lower the sails? It's like, no, we've got to keep believing and praying. God had to say this to me, that the harvest is plentiful, that I'm at work, that I, I actually care about mission more than you do. <laughs> Duh. Like, my only son, okay? Don't think you care more than I do ever for one second. I'm at work. Look for those persons of peace. Look for those bridges that I've built. Look for those spheres of influence I've given you and how you can continue to build relationship, how you can continue to invest in those people of peace in your life. And so two really significant things happen. One is that instead of on the National Day of Prayer, we had the opportunity through the interfaith, it was one of our city council people, the wonderful city councilwoman, Lisa Sobek, who actually said, hey, could I put out a message about prayer? I was like, what? How blessed are we that we have city council coming to church people saying, I want to put out a message about prayer. So tell me more about that. So she ended up putting out this video. We put together this video and put it out through Interfaith that's, that was a city council person calling the city of Menifee on the National Day of Prayer to pray for the city. And her charge was, go outside of your house at noon on the National Day of Prayer and spend a few minutes with your family praying for our city. That's incredible. But it got even better. So we posted that, and then the city of Menifee came and asked permission and said, can we repost this on our Facebook page? That's awesome. And we said, no, we charge. No. <laughs> that, is, that was so encouraging. And to me, it was like God having to say, hey, I got, I got you. No, I got this. <laughs> you get to be along for the ride. I got this. I care about my mission. The harvest is still plentiful. It might look different, but just keep investing where I give you the opportunity. And so it ended up being that the city itself endorsed prayer on their own page. I mean, come on, you guys should feel that in this day and age, that is a big deal. And then it got, it got better in the sense of we had the opportunity through interfaith again in the wake of the, the tragic death of George Floyd, there was a, a, a move of unity, a move of love. I was able to get together with Pastor Perkins right here from the View Church awesome man of God. We were able to have a very good, honest talk about what does this look like in our church, in the church, with racism in our country. Let's have an honest conversation. It was good. I hope you guys watched it. Just good brothers in Christ talking about real things that matter in our world. And out of that flowed a love and unity prayer vigil where we got to, on the city of Menifee steps, host a night of public prayer for our city, for our nation. And guess who showed up? The mayor showed up and publicly expressed his faith in Jesus Christ and prayed over our city. 
Senator Mike Morrell sent someone from, he was planning on being there, but got really sick, sent someone from his office who expressed their faith in Jesus Christ, publicly prayed. Pat Walsh, our new police department chief, showed up and publicly expressed his faith in Jesus Christ and prayed for our city. A number of pastors and, by, and Menifee 24-7, the largest you know, publication of, of news, showed up and live-streamed the entire thing. It got a lot, a lot of views and many, many very positive comments online. And I stepped back and I was like, that was kind of all supposed to be the National Day of Prayer that was supposed to happen right here. But instead, it happened in a much more public setting where the leaders, leaders in this city took a public stand for Jesus Christ and prayer over the city. And to me, I got, you know, that little humbling from the Lord of just, I got this. When, when, when things get shut down, <laughs> the Lord's not up there panicking. Being like, oh no, my agenda, my mission, my heart, my will, my desire, my spirit at work. It might look different, but the agenda doesn't change. God's will, God's plan does not change. And so he gives us this incredible invitation to continue to believe that no matter the circumstance, the harvest is plentiful. And there's an invitation to jump on board with his work to look for those divine appointments, to look for those people of peace. And where he shows you, keep investing. Keep investing. Troy, come on up here, buddy. Perfect timing. So that's on the structural level. Now I want to give an example on the very personal level and what that can look like in our life. So I was talking with Troy right after the message last Sunday, and he's telling me, hey, God was doing this recently. I'm like, that's a perfect testimony for next week's message. So let's hear it. Troy, if you guys don't know, this is Troy. He's awesome. God bless you guys. Um, just a couple of examples. Um, in, in the scripture you brought up in, in Matthew 9, 38, pray for, the Lord, pray for the Lord to send out laborers into the harvest. The word is send out is ikbalo. It's like a fastball pitch, you know, thrust, to thrust you out into the atmosphere. And I always pray for divine appointments. Um, I love ministering to people. God, I haven't done this in a long time. I'm nervous. <laughs> um, in, Anyway, so um, I always pray. I ask God for divine appointments. I ask him to move through me. It says in Acts 17, 28, that in, in him we live and move and have our being. And also we talked about, I couldn't remember where the scripture was. He found it for me. First Peter 3, 15 <laughs> says, but sanctify Christ. And you should do this daily. Sanctify Christ as Lord in your heart, always being ready to give an example for the hope that is in you, yet with gentleness and reverence. You know, we don't want to beat people over the head, as Casey was saying. But if you pray for, for, for divine employments, I guarantee you they'll happen. God will just make it happen, and you'll just go, wow, he put me here. Um, recently, I was walking on the boardwalk. I go to Carlsbad a lot and walk because I live in Fallbrook. And, um, and I had my parrot. You guys, most of you see my parrot. And that little guy's an evangelist. And I was like, <laughs> he really is. He really is. And I'm walking, and, and I don't stop for anybody when I'm walking. I walk really fast. I want to sweat. I have a lot of toxins I need to get out. That's another story. But anyway, so uh, this, um, this rapper guy and his friend, it wasn't his girlfriend, I thought it was at the time, 
he just says, oh, I got to see that. He just like has me stop. And he just loves the bird, right? Well, I don't even know how the conversation came up, but he had been really seeking spiritual things. So I got to just pray over him and his friend. And then, and then later on on the phone, I led him to the Lord. He made a full commitment. And he's a rapper. He's, he, he does very well. You know, and he's totally is changing his whole paradigm. And he's going to take the mountain of entertainment, you know, music. He wants to take that mountain for the Lord now. All his music, he wants to be godly. So that was, that was up one, yeah. Then the other, um, that, I mean, it happens all the time to me. But the other one was I actually... Um, I love deep tissue massage. It helps you detox, right, Don? And makes you feel better. And so I, I, I was looking for a Thai massage. And Dana Point, I, I know about their server. I wanted to try Thai. And um, I'm calling around. And I couldn't get a hold of anybody. I get an answer. She says, oh, I'm doing it at my home. I said, okay. So I go over there. And it's a really nice lady. And, and she gives me a great massage. And I just, I can't remember what I said. Something about the Lord. And she wanted to hear more. She just asked me. You know, I mean, people are ready right now. They're hungry right now. She asked me, you know, if I could tell her more about Jesus because she'd gone to church a few times. I ended up leading her and her daughter to the Lord. So I'm just saying the, the, the fields are plentiful right now. They're white for harvest. And you guys, if you're willing, God will, God will accomplish it for you. Can I pray with them real quick? Father, I just come before you, Lord, and I break off fear, God, that lying spirit of fear, Lord. Fear is a false reality to a Christian, Lord God. I pray, Lord, the boldness you've given me, and Lord, I have no fear because of your grace, that I impart to every soul here, oh God, you would move divinely, Lord God, that they would live and move and have their being in you, Lord, in such a way, God, they would say that only God can do this. Father, you make us strong. You make us brave. You're a good father, and you're going to use them in a powerful way in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Thank you so much, Troy. Love it. We'll hear more of those soon. Heard an awesome one from uh, John and, and Denise just about last Sunday after church. Uh, just being available, does it, it, that's, that changes everything. And so I think I want to pause here. Uh, we've got some more, and, and we'll probably... Uh, bring it into next week, but um, let's just pray right now, and I believe God's Spirit just wants to seal in our hearts some things. Let's just ponder these questions for a moment. Do you believe, pray, and act like the harvest is plentiful? What spheres of influence has God given you? It might be a city official. It might be a neighbor. It might be someone you encounter on the boardwalk. What are you doing to keep those relationships strong? Along those lines, what people of peace has God put in your life? Could be a family member. Again, could be a neighbor. Could be a co-worker. Those people that are ready to receive, they're interested. They're open. And lastly, in what ways or how are you looking for divine appointments?
of those four questions. Let's just take a minute and let's just ponder, listen, receive. What is it the Holy Spirit might be wanting to say to you? Is there one question that stands out? Is there something that you can just sense he's stirring up in you? Let's just take a minute to, to meditate on that, to maybe write down some things he's saying in your journal and the lift notes. Holy Spirit, we ask that your spirit, or <laughs> that you, <laughs> would just lead us right now. How are you wanting to encourage us, challenge us, empower us? God, we thank you for um, divine arrangement and rearrangement of our lives, of the way that we live things out, of the steps that we take every day. Um, God, I just ask you and thank you for shaking things up for us. That even when we feel like there, if we feel like there's a drought and that we don't have any energy for others, God, I thank you for the realization that as we step out in faith when we feel your spirit as we ask you when we feel your spirit moving for us to reach out and touch someone else's life God I thank you that we have a promise from you that we will be refreshed because as we step out in the wave of your spirit we're gonna get hit too we get hit by your spirit, and we come out filled up, not drained. We don't have to always go in with feeling like we have something to give because you are the living water. You are the one who is moving, who is always active, and as we take the chance, if we take the chance and the risk to partner with you, we can expect a breakthrough of your spirit, of your power, of your living water, of that divine drink from heaven erupting among us and in our world, and we will come out refreshed. And so, God, I just even thank you um, for breaking the lie that is kind of, I feel like there's just kind of like a, in a sense, like a sheepishness that's kind of come over our nation because it's been kind of like, we're, it's like, whoa, what just happened? We just keep getting hit with all this stuff and, you know, all of this shutdown that's happening and our lives are being, you know, shut down and we're just kind of, it's almost like, you know, an animal gets struck and you're just kind of stunned. Like, whoa, what do we do? God, I thank you for awakening us. I thank you for awakening us to rise up and grab your hand and step out into a world where you want to move in, a, in the power and abundance in a mighty wave, 
you want to bring revival to our land, and I thank you for raising us up, your children, to bring your love to this nation right in the crux of a time where we need it most. You are living and active, and you desire for us to join you on mission in whatever that looks like in our individual lives. And God, I thank you that there is also, if we feel depleted, that there is also a personal, there is also a promise to be refreshed, to taste and see that you are good as we step out on mission with you. And as we continue in fellowship, not only with you, but with our brothers and sisters, because when we gather with two or more, you are there in abundance. And, and I just, and I feel like there's just a, going to be a cataclysmic move as we partner with God, as we step out, it's almost like we're going to be a magnet. And then another magnet that's been prepared by his spirit is going to come and there will be a place of overflow. And all of these pockets of living water are going to be sprouting up as we step out in evangelism, bringing the heart, the love, and the good news of our faithful Father and of Jesus who died to make all of these things possible. So God, I thank you for this great wave of your love over our land. I thank you um, for, for courage, that we would be courageous, that we would be brave. And God, I thank you for shifting our eyes. I thank you for shifting our eyes and for shifting our vision, that this is not a time when we shrink back. Throughout history, the church has risen up during times of great hardship and great fire, and you have shown up in mighty signs and wonders. And so, Lord, we, we say do it again. We thank you that you are the same yesterday, today, and forever. We grab your hand and we step out. And I just feel like the Lord is saying, do not be afraid. I will be with you wherever you go in abundance and great measure. Expect what you have not seen before. Partner with me. Ask for ask for the things that we saw Jesus do that we haven't seen in our lifetime yet. Because he wants us to step out as he did. He wants us to be hungry. And so God... We just thank you for this mighty move of your spirit. We thank you that we receive from you and that we partner with you. And we expect these good things and these good tidings that are coming to our nation, our city, our states, our worlds. Come, Lord Jesus. You are welcome here. Send your angels. Thank you that the harvest is being prepared right now. And we expect to come back next week with stories of the plenty, the harvest that is plentiful, and the laborers who are many, who are stepping out in obedience and joy, partnering with their heavenly Father, and seeing heaven come to earth. In Jesus' name, thank you for shifting the atmosphere of our nation now. In Jesus' name, it's going forth. You are shifting the atmosphere of our nation now. Amen. Dance a new dance like day.